So we just started a series called Vital Christianity, a Study of James. If you know anything about Mark, you know that he likes series. At first, when he first started preaching, he never did a series. He was like, I don't understand how people do series. How do you know what God's doing six weeks from now? You know, because he would always hear God for that moment. And then he tried a series. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. And I think one of them went six months or I don't even know. It was like 13, 18 weeks or it was something crazy. Um, And it was very good. And we all remember that because it was so much, you know, in depth. And we got to really search out the words. So... Um, I'm just warning you, Mark has already told me this will take us well into the new year. Um, James is not that big of a book, so (laughs) I guess we're just diving in, right? Um, But we're very excited about this. So last week he started, if you want to turn your Bibles um, or your phones or your iPads to James chapter 1, I'm just going to kind of do a recap from last week. Um, He taught on verses 1 through 4 with the emphasis on endurance. Um, So James 1 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So in that verse 2, I like the New King James Version. Um, It says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. This means it's not an emotional reaction to what has happened to you. Count it. If you're counting, you're being intentional, and you're intellectually thinking about what has happened. You're counting it all joy. So to me, that speaks to a choice. You have to choose to count it all joy because various trials and tribulation does not sound fun, right? Nobody volunteers for that. Um, But I feel like what God is saying in that is to ask him to give you his perception on why you are in that temp- in that trial. There's so many times we go through stuff and we're blaming this and we're blaming that and it's it's this situation, it's my ex-wife, it's my job, it's my finances, blah, 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 blah. And the Lord is allowing us to go through those things for a reason. And we often forget to go, hey God, is there something you want to teach me through this? Is there something you want me to learn through this season? And when we do that, it's this awesome thing because all of a sudden you start to get God's perspective. You start to get God's insight. And when we know that God has good things for us, it's really hard to be better, isn't it? You're shifting kinds of change because you're not like, oh, this is awful, blah, 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 blah. You're kind of like, this is awful. However, I know that my God only has good things for me. I know that nothing is impossible for God and this is just a season. I know that God loves me more than anything in this world So he has to have a plan in the midst of this. If Jesus went through trials, we're going to go through trials. It's just part of it. I love it when Mark said last week um, that oftentimes when we get in a trial, we think it's the enemy. So we start, we get in a fight stance like, oh, enemy's attacking me. And we get out our shields and our swords and we're ready to fight. And when we do that, it takes our heart from a surrendered position to a fighting position. And I loved that last week. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so me. Because don't mess with me. Don't mess with my family. Don't mess with the church. And I get in fighting stance. And I'm like, you know what? If I would just surrender and go, hey God, are you doing something here? Because you're in control, last I checked, right? And just let him give you his perspective on it. Then you take your guards down. You take your shield down. You let it all go and you surrender. And then it's much easier to proceed and not assume it's just the enemy having his way, right? Another thing I think of in that is to embrace the season. 
I'm learning this right now. I am now working full-time. I have not worked full-time in probably since Keisha was a baby 13 years ago. I've had little part-time jobs and this and that, and the season has changed for me. It's temporary. It's only till the end of the year, but I'm having to grocery shop on the weekends, and I'm having to figure out things that I never had to figure out because I was home, and now I'm gone 40 hours, and it's a season. But as we face these different trials, as we uh, face the seasons of change, we just have to embrace it and ask for God's perspective. Okay, God, what do you want me to learn in this season? Because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on anything he has for me, right? Romans 8:28. I think this, this scripture probably lands in my notes every time, so I'm sorry if you've heard this a hundred times. So good. Romans 8:28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. We have to trust that he's in control and that he has a plan. We all know that, right? We know that. But to actually trust him, to actually place trust in him, we have to remember that God is motivated by love. God is motivated by love. Everything that he does, everything that he walks us through, everything that he teaches us, everything that he pours out, pours out to us is motivated by his love. He died for us because he's motivated by his love for us. God sent his only son because he loved us, because he loves us. All right, verse 4. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That sounds pretty nice, needing nothing. There is no completion without endurance. Endurance, as we know, is like a muscle that needs to be exercised. And we, I think we always relate endurance to physical. But endurance, we need endurance to run the race, to finish the race. As Paul says, I'm going to finish the race. You know? I want to finish the race. I don't want to give up. And it's going to be hard. There's a, a million times I've wanted to give up. You've wanted to give up. But you're like, no, I've got to keep going. You work those muscles. We're in the midst of leadership training, part three, session three, and we were talking about this last night, the tests that God takes us through and the things, the season that he allows. Because we know he's God. He could be like, oh, that's too hard for you, Brad. I'll just, I'll just remove it. You can just keep on going. But he's like, no, you know what? I'm going to let them go through things so they can work that patience and endurance so that they can finish strong, so that they can lead others along that way. We don't want to be spoiled brat children, right? Just get, all, get our way and just be rotten. We want God to nurture us and care for us, and sometimes that means walking us through. He doesn't leave us, but he allows those times for us to go through. Endurance must be developed in us. We must grow. If we want to be able to run the race, we have to have endurance and stamina. I like how the verse says, let it grow. It's an action word, and it requires action on our part. Let, allow it, give it room. Let it have some time, right? I think some of us get so frustrated because it's not working, and then we're like, whatever. Give it some room. Let it grow. The goal is to be perfect and complete, the scripture said, needing nothing. That means that the result will be maturity, a faith lacking nothing. I want to be mature. I want to be full of God. I want to speak beyond my years. I want to be wise. I want to be a lover of God. Where people don't see me, they see the love of God in my life. I've run several races in my life, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. Amanda's run a marathon. Not going to join her. But it goes to, it's the same thing. The half marathons that I trained for, I loved them. 
I listened to my music. I saw the beauty of God. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Cross the finish line. I did it. Take my picture. This is awesome. The half marathons that I did not train for, I hated every minute. And the whole time I'm like, why'd you do this? You paid money to do this. This is so stupid. You're going to die. You're never going to make it. Mark's probably wondering where you are at the finish line. This is awful. Why is that girl running like that? You just, you just, it's awful. Every second is awful and you hate it. And you find all sorts of things to complain about because you don't have the endurance. I hadn't practiced, right? And it's the same thing with the Lord. We need endurance to, to run the race and to finish strong. Even in the small races, I ran a 5K one time and I'm like, oh, psh, 5K, no problem, three point something miles, didn't train. I died in that one too because I was trying to run too fast because it was just, you know, three something miles. I hated that one too. And I told Mark after the one, don't ever let me sign up for a race again, ever. This is awful. Endurance. If I would have trained, it would have been a breeze, right? It would have been easier. Paul has a very similar message in Romans. Romans 5, 2 through 5. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop in endurance. And endurance develops strength and character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Doesn't that sound so similar to what we're reading in James? All these things that produce things that produce things that none of them are very fun patience, endurance, all this. But they produce something. They produce something in our lives, right? Um, In the New American Standard Bible, I guess is what it is, version, um, it says we exult in the hope of glory. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. That word exult means to leap, to be extremely joyful. So, We are extremely joyful in our tribulations. Extremely joyful, really? I'm yet to do that. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) I'm going to work on that because I know that's God's word and that's his plan. But that is hard to be extremely joyful. Sincerely extremely joyful. Right? You can put on a pretty face and be like, yeah, everything's great. Uh Uh-huh. Have you ever heard that from someone and you're like, you're lying. You know? but to sincerely and genuinely be extremely joyful when you're in the midst of tribulation. It just sounds wrong. I'm teaching first grade right now, and one of our um, things in reading is we read all these sentences, and the kids have to tell me, is it sensible or silly? So it would be like, I went outside um, on a sunny day to feel the rain. Sensible or silly? It's silly because you wouldn't go out on a sunny day to feel the rain because it's not really usually raining when it's, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if that was a good example or not, but they're supposed to tell me, is it sensible or silly? And I think it's the best thing. It's the best part of our day. And this scripture and this example, when you read and really do your studying and see what that says, to be extremely joyful in our tribulations, that seems silly. It seems like those two don't go together. Extremely joyful in tribulations, but that is our God. That is how he works. He puts those things to be extremely joyful. That can happen in the midst of tribulation. You think of the disciples when they were in the boat, 
and the waves were crashing on the boat, and they were freaking out. And I would be freaking out. I would see myself like in there going, oh, my gosh, Jesus, wake up. Are you not aware? And he's like, peace be still. Like, what's the big deal? He was fine in the midst of a storm. And that same Jesus, that same spirit lives within us that we can be extremely joyful in the midst of tribulation. So I want this to be our prayer. I want to embrace the growing experience and maturity that comes through enduring. I want to embrace the growing experience and maturity that comes through enduring. I want to go through the fire so that I can be used in the hand of the king. We always say, I want to be used. I want to be used. God, choose me. Choose me. I say yes. We say all these things as Christians. I say yes, God. And then we go through tribulations and we're like, I'm out. Never mind. I didn't sign up for that. I just want to be used for your glory. I want to prophesy. I want to pray over the children. I want to feed the homeless. And he's like, but you, you know, that's great. But he wants us to be extremely joyful in those tribulations and finish the race, finish that season, finish that thing, right? All right, well, let's move along to verse 5 through 8. We're still in James 1. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So we're going to break down some of those words in that passage. So if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Yay, there's a, there's a scripture you can cheer about, right? So that word wisdom, um, it, it's not an intellectual knowledge that we may think of when we hear wisdom. It is asking for spiritual understanding. It's asking God for his perspective. Give me your insight. Have you ever asked for wisdom? You're not asking for something you can write down, right? Something that you can write down that's super brainy and intelligent. You're asking for God to see into the situation. God, I want to see into this. Okay, I'm in a trial. I'm in a tribulation. I'm, I'm going through this circumstance. But surely there's got to be a reason. And I usually don't know. Do you know when you're in the midst of that? You're like, what the? What's going on here? You're very confused, right? But God knows. So we ask for understanding. When we understand the purpose of the trial, even if it's only a part of it, we all of a sudden have valuable insight that gives us hope and something to grab a hold of. Isn't that true? Just a little bit of hope. Just a little bit. If I tell my kids, we're going to go to the rec center, or we're going to do this, or we're going to go see Nana, or we're going to do something fun, and then I go, but first we need to, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want me to do, Mom? Mom, and they start getting out the cleaning supplies. What do we need to get done, Mom? Because they want the prize. They, want to, they have a little bit of hope that there's something fun. Right? And it's the same idea. When we ask God for wisdom, it's like he gives us a little bit of hope, and you're like, okay, there is cleaning involved. But at the end, there's this little bit of hope I can grab onto. There's this little bit of thing that, that I really want to do that. And God gives us that little bit of hope, even in the midst of trials, to go, he's giving me this. He's, he's promised me peace. He's promised me hope. He promised me that he wouldn't leave me. 
He said, after this, I would be, I would be a tool in his hand. After this, I'll be able to minister to teenagers because I would have gone through something and, and came out victorious. Those are those things that you can grab on and go, everything else is crazy, but this is what God said, right? He has nothing but good things. His motives and intentions are what we have to remember. God's motives and his intentions do not change. People are fickle. We change. We, we backstab. We do things. Whether we mean to or not, we just we make mistakes. God doesn't change his mind. And so when, hit, when we wonder and we go through these things, we cannot question his motives or his character. We have to stand and go, no, I know God. He only has good things for me. He's always working on my behalf. The word of God said he's praying for me day and night. It says my steps are ordered of the Lord. Right? Those are the things that we have to remember. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. What bigger time than when you're in a trial than to take refuge in him? Take refuge in him. He's there. That word ask, ask our generous God, it means to desire. So we should desire that of God. We should desire him. We should have desire for his wisdom, his insight, his perspective. The word give, and he will give it to you. That word means to bestow, to bring it, to bring it forth, to commit, to deliver, to grant, to make, to minister. So he will give it to you. He will minister to it to you. He will bring it forth for you. He will make it happen for you. Isn't that awesome? He will do that for you, for me. Our God is a generous God, and he, li- he gives liberally and bountifully. That last, it's not in this version. In the New King James Version, it talks about he will give uh, when you ask without reproach. And I always wondered what that meant because I never, you know, you just quote these scriptures, and then you're like, yeah, that's what it says. And then you're like, what? What does that really say? So without reproach means this word reproach speaks to mocking, ridiculing, scolding, insulting, and using words angrily and sarcastically. So without all that. God gives it to us without reproach, without all of that. He gives to us without reminding us of our unworthiness. Thank goodness, because I ask God for a lot of stuff. (laughs) I'm always asking God, give me your glory, give me your peace, give me this. Lord, show me that. Lord, would you just do this? Would you just do that? God, I'm asking, I'm pleading, I'm begging. Would you heal? Would you deliver? Would you set free? Would you make my headache go away? Would you, could you, in a box? Would you, could you, with a box? (laughs) But I feel like I'm always asking God, for not just for me, but I'm just asking. I'm asking. He said, give her good good things. We got to ask. But never does he say, well, Kara, you're not really worthy. You didn't really behave yesterday. Remember what you thought about such and such. Remember that you're human and you can't qualify. Whatever. We do qualify because of Jesus. But you know what I'm saying. He doesn't ever come back and say, yeah, but you're not really worthy of that. Never does he do that. And without Jesus, we aren't worthy. But he paid the price, and that is what he sees through. He sees through the blood that he shed for each one of us. So he has no accusations. He's not the accuser, right? So we're going to put all these thoughts together. These are all out of the concordance. 
And I'm going to read it with those understandings that we just went over. If you need spiritual understanding about the trial you are facing, ask and desire the insight and perspective of our generous God, and he will bring it forth. He will deliver. He will minister it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, and he will give it to you without reminding you of your unworthiness. Isn't that awesome? That's so powerful. So ask God for his wisdom. You can endure. I know that some of you are in the thick of it right now. Today. When you leave here, you got to go back. you got to face it, whatever, tomorrow, Monday morning. Stay the course. Hold on tight to God. He has not left you. And through this process, you will come out. You will have muscles that you didn't know about. You will be stronger. You will be able to endure. You will be able to minister to people going through the same thing. And you will have joy because you've finished. And you can have joy through the process. We talked about that earlier. All right, the end of this passage is verse 6 through 8. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. We cannot waver when it comes to where our loyalty lies. We cannot claim to be loyal to God and live otherwise and have loyalties other places. Or one day we're loyal to God and the next day we're loyal to whatever. Fill in the blank. Our loyalty is to God and God alone. It's in him and through him and by him that all things are, right? That's what we did when we came and we gave our lives to the Lord and said, don't just be my Savior, be my Lord. Be Lord of my life. Right? We were claiming our loyalty to the King of Kings. I am yours. My life is yours. There can be only one that holds the key to our hearts. Only one. We shouldn't have keys out there. Anyone. You know? One. The King of Kings. He holds the key to our heart. I think those analogies are interesting because it's talking about a sea that comes up and goes back that swells and sinks down. It's talking about the wind. Have you ever been in a windstorm? And I'm sure you have because you're all living in Colorado. It's crazy. There's no rhyme or reason. And then all of a sudden you think it's over and it's like, you know, it's crazy. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no consistency. It's, it's unpredictable. It's unstable. The waves, the tides, sometimes it's real close. Sometimes it's far out. Sometimes you can walk really far into the sea and other times it's you can't hardly get out of your hotel, and it's right there. It's inconsistent. Jesus doesn't want us to be inconsistent. He never wavered. He always, always, always did the will of the Father, right? Always. In Mark 14, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So he didn't, that tells me he didn't like the situation that he was in. Take this cup from me. Take it away. I don't like it. Can we relate to that? Lord, <laughs> take this away. I don't like this. But whatever your will is, that's what I want. Not my will, but your will. When he went through the testing, it was hard, and he asked his father if there was another way. But ultimately, he wanted God's will to be done. Did you know that a couple verses later, after he went to the disciples, remember they were all sleeping, and he was like, what? 
You can't even stay awake. He went back. It says, he even went to the father and asked the same thing again. I've read that story. I never caught that. So we asked the Lord, I don't like this. Take this away. Take this cup from me. And then he goes, and he's like, whatever, but I want your will, God. He goes, checks the disciples. They're all sleeping. He's like, oh, my goodness, whatever. Don't you know? Don't you know what's about to go down? And then he goes back and asks the Lord the same thing. Jesus did. He did not like the trial and the tribulation and everything that was going on. He relates to us. He's real. He has experienced these things. He was about to die. He was about to be murdered for nothing, for nothing that he did, right? That's way worse than anything I'm facing. I don't think anyone's going to murder me, right? There might be accusations. I don't know, but I don't think they're that bad. But he was about to be crucified. He knew it was down the road. And he said, Lord, if you can, just take this from me. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. That's fine. (laughs) But he even went back and asked again. And to me, I'm like, that just boggles my mind because Jesus and the Father were one. They knew. They were connected, right? And he still went back. To me, that speaks to the trial was hard. He was just checking. One more time, Lord. I know your heart. Take this cup if you can. But if you don't, I will do it. I love that Jesus is relatable. He knew the heart of the Father and his character. When the rubber hit the road, he knew that his God, that his daddy, had everything worked out, that he had good for him. That even though he was going to the cross, he trusted that God had a plan. Can we trust that God has a plan when we're in the midst of our toughest trials? So God wants you to know tonight that you can trust him. We say that all the time as Christians. I trust God. Yeah, I trust God, right? But do you really trust him? Do you really trust him with your emotions, with your sickness, with your failures, with with the sin in your life, with the sin in someone else's life that's affecting you, with your children and whatever? Do you really trust him? What, what are the things that are coming out of our mouths? Is it trust? Is it, God, I trust you? Is it, I know this is hard right now, but my God has my back. I know you're with me. Or is it, I don't know what I'm going to do. Are you on the phone calling everybody? This is awful. You'll never believe. Oh, and then on top of that, blah, blah, blah. And, or are we saying, you know what, it's kind of hard right now, but I know my God has a plan. What, what is our testimony? What are we speaking? Whose report are we believing? What are the words that we're standing on, right? It's easier said than done. I know. I'm guilty too. And I'm like, whoa, Kara. <laughs> Let's back up and start over. Take two. Right? Circumstances, trials, and tests can produce fruit. They're supposed to produce fruit. And I've often learned with the Lord, if he tries to take me through something, and I'm stubborn or I don't want to do it, He's like, okay, well, we'll just extend it. We'll just keep on this. I'm just going to keep on this topic. It's like when you're teaching kids. If they haven't learned their A, Bs, and Cs, you don't move to the sounds, you know, the blends and the STs and the SHs and all the different sounds because they don't know the As and the Es and the Ss, right? You can't build on something that's not produced. And so when God's taken us through something, let's, let's surrender. Let's say, yes, God, I will learn it. I want to bear fruit, Right? Be good students. 
Regardless of how we feel about life, God created us in his image. I think in our society we're like, well, they have it better. They have a bigger house. They have more money. Their marriage is wonderful. Their kids are so well-behaved, but they have a good job. They have insurance, and I don't. You know what I mean? There's so many things. But we're just supposed to rest in him and trust him for, for me. That's great if your life is great. God is also doing great things in my life, and we have to be thankful and understand that there are tri- And just because it looks pretty on the other side doesn't mean they're not in trials. Everyone's going through stuff, right? We all have trials, different seasons, different things. But ultimately, as Christians, we want to glorify him. We want to look like him. We want to think like him. We want to act like him. I even want to hear it like him. There's times you're talking to someone. Actually, the kids and I had a conversation today. The stress level is very high in my house. And I was like, we were trying to figure out what. I'm like, what is really going on here? And then the Lord was like, how about you read between the lines, Mom? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's really talk about this. What are the stresses? What, what's really going on? And then they began to share, and tears began to come down their cheeks. Because it wasn't this. They were cleaning my bathroom while trying to clean my bathroom together. <laughs> it didn't go very well. And, but that wasn't really the issue. It wasn't the cadence splashed the water or, you know, whatever. It was school's hard, and... And this, and I'm facing this, Mom, and this is really bothering me, and I'm really stressed about this. And as we began to talk, I thought, I'm stressed too, and this is what I got going on. And, and Daddy, we're all just stressed. And so we just grabbed, we all got on the floor and huddled up, and we prayed, and we talked about it, and we recognized that we are real, that we make mistakes. And I was right there with them. Yeah, Mommy blew it. Mommy's a mess. Mommy's stressed too. But you know what? God is bigger. And so then we began to praise God. This is just a season. God is bigger. He has good things for us. Let's keep our eyes up. Let's look forward. What does he want to do in this time? We left happier, right, guys? They're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. They hate it when we talk about them. I'm sorry, guys. So you are enough because he is enough. You are enough because he is enough. As I was studying, I heard this over and over. You are enough because he is enough. So many times we feel like we can't measure up. And I heard it in my kids today. I can't make those grades. School's too hard. I can't do this. It's too hard. It's, it, we don't measure up. We're not good enough. We can't hit the bar. We, we're failing. It's too hard. But the good news is you are enough because he's enough. You are equipped because he's equipping you. Anything that you're lacking, you have it because he is the giver of all good things. Right? So I just want you to hear that tonight. You are enough. You're parenting. You at your job. Maybe you're getting beat down and your boss is like, you're not performing. You better make the numbers. Maybe your husband or your wife is like, you're not doing it right. Come on. Whatever. You are enough. And as we seek him and He, we allow that funnel of whatever it is that you need to come through, You are enough because he is enough. These trials do not define us. When Jesus was in that moment and said, can you take this cup from me? If you would, just asking, could you take this cup from me? Is that the moment that defines Jesus? When he's weak and he's like, I I don't want to do this. I'm just letting you know, God, I I will do it. But 
there was evidence in that scripture, right, that he didn't really want that. Now, he wasn't whining about it, or I can be a lot whinier <laughs> than Jesus was. But that doesn't define him. Our trials and tribulations, we often feel like they define us. They don't define you. He defines you. So I'm going to read that version of when we added the the different definitions in the Strong's. If you need spiritual understanding about the trial you are facing, ask and desire the insight and perspective of our generous God, and he will bring it forth. He will deliver. He will minister it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, and he will give it to you without reminding you of your unworthiness. Isn't that good? Guys, we all face trials. We all do. Brian, would you come on up and play? We all face trials, and I'm here tonight to encourage you. I was very excited when I got to see the scriptures that we we would be on this week because trials aren't fun. Nobody volunteers for that. Sure, I'll do it. I'll suffer for Jesus. We don't volunteer for that. And as much as we try to avoid it, it happens. It happened to Jesus. It happened to all. I mean, look through the Bible. I'm just thankful we're not getting stoned. Like, it could be way worse. You know? We could be without food and shelter and so many other things. But it doesn't mean that the trials and tribulations aren't still hard. And that they aren't real. They are real. But we want God's glory. We want his perspective. Right? We want him to come in and minister. So if you guys wouldn't mind just standing... We're just going to make this, it's out of James 5 through 8. We're just going to make this our prayer tonight. That whether you're in the trial today, or a week or a month or a year from now, you're like, okay, now I'm in that trial. I'm in, I'm in a tough spot. I feel God trying to work endurance in me, and I'm not liking it, and I want to give up. I want you to come back to these scriptures and remember that he is with you, that he hasn't left you. That he understands. Jesus went through this. He understands. He's not some high off God that's like, figure it out. Good luck. He's right with you. Right with you. His spirit guides us and leads us. It's good for us. that Jesus said, it is better for you that I leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. We have the Holy Spirit every day to lead us and guide us and show us and reveal to us and comfort us when we're hurting. So if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes, and if you're comfortable, I would like you to say this prayer after me. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your spiritual understanding about these things I am facing. I desire your insight and perspective. And ask you to let me see how you see this. You are a generous God. And I trust you to bring it forth, to deliver, and to minister to it it to me. I know that you love me and that I am yours and you are mine. Grow me. Mature me. 
and build my endurance. Have your way. I surrender. In Jesus' name.